Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak on a theme takeover Thursday edition of the podcast where we are fixing, drumroll please, drumroll Ben, <laughs> the Chicago Bears. We're trying to fix the Chicago well, Bears. And we're not might, fixing the Chicago Bears. Nobody's one, fixing the Chicago one Bears. One might think, fellas, 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 eight and eight this year. Eight and eight last year, twelve and four the year before that. What are we fixing? They're fine. Haven't finished below five hundred yet in the Matt Nagy era. Yeah, we got problems, and we're gonna let you know what those problems are, how we're gonna fix them. We're gonna go over the front office, the coaching staff, go into their strategies, some of the moves that they've made, talk about the roster as it currently stands, some unrestricted free agents they have coming up, any cap space, any wiggle room where they might be able to add some talent. And then, of course, we're going to end the podcast with a Chicago Bears-centric three-round mock draft, which could or could not be exciting, depending on the moves that we make, because we've got a lot to discuss here with Chicago, because there are they've been in the news as of late for a potential big trade that we have coming up. But before we get to the Bears, Ben, my friend, how are you? Everything is delicious. Uh, glad we're getting the Bears in under the wire here. Becoming increasingly concerned that that wire will never actually come to fruition. We will see. Yeah, I said on yesterday's podcast for the midweek mock draft that I wanted to make sure we got to the Chicago Bears because there is a Carson Wentz trade that is looming that could make a Bears fixture team or team takeover Tuesday, whatever day it is, not as exciting. Because if they trade a lot of draft assets for Carson Wentz, the podcast for the Bears would basically just be us yelling, what are you doing? What? How? And so, I, I, you know, to spare the listeners of that, give them four seconds of that instead of 40 minutes, we're going to start as if the skies can be bright, as if the horizon is beautiful. Maybe not beautiful, but we're going to set up what the Chicago Bears are currently like. Their general manager, Ryan Pace, he's been the general manager of the team since 2015, was the Director of Pro Personnel for the New Orleans Saints between 2013 and 2014 before that. And then he was brought up through their scouting department. He, he was he was with the New Orleans Saints since 2001. So he was in that organization for a long, long time before Chicago got him to come over to be GM. I also read that in the same cycle he was hired as the Bears GM, the New York Jets were like, hey, we'd like to interview you. And he went, hmm, that's fine. I'm going to pass. And then he interviewed with the Chicago Bears, and then like the next day, he was signed as the general manager. So it's not that he didn't want to be general manager. It was just simply that he didn't want to be general manager for the New York Jets, and I did find that funny. I'm trying to remember the Jets. This was 2016, you said? Yeah. This is pre-Gase. Right. So it wasn't as bad as it looks now. It's like this, that, that was like Mike McCagnan, right? That must have been when they hired McCagnan, correct? Yeah, that would make sense. It's 2016. They had just they had, they had Todd Bowles. They just gone five and eleven. Ryan oh, wow. Fitzpatrick was their starting quarterback uh, for that season. No, it'd be 2015. It'd be 2015. Oh, so they were ten and six. They, they were coming off a ten and six season with Todd Bowles. 
it would have been that they were coming off the 2014 year. It was like prior to the 2015 season. Oh, uh, so, so Rex Ryan had just been fired. Yeah, there it is. Now, I knew we'd we get there Gino eventually. Smith was a quarterback. There yeah, right. it we have is. We solved the riddle. We have figured it out. <laughs> when Pace was hired as the general manager for the Chicago Bears, he was the youngest GM at the time. He was only 37 years old when he was uh, hired to that seat. His first order of business was giving them a new head coach, and he gave them John Fox. Didn't really work out, but that was one of his first orders of duty. His big-time successful moves over the last five, six years, I mean, the big one is, of course, Khalil Mack, right? He was able to get Khalil Mack from the then-Oakland Raiders for two first-round picks. He was the winners of one of those trades, and it proved to be incredibly useful for them as they had a number-one defense in the NFL in 2018. They also hit on Eddie Jackson in the fourth round, which I think was a great you know, draft steal. And his biggest mistakes feels like, I don't know, pretty much everything else. You know, like, I don't want to be too hard on it. It's not yeah. everything else. But when it has come to the big swings, I guess, you know, they got Allen Robinson. They lured Allen Robinson and they got him to replace what they had in Alshon Jeffrey and when Kevin White didn't work out. But even bringing up Kevin White's name, he was the first player that he drafted, that Ryan Pace drafted as, as a general manager for the Bears. That was that 2015 draft where they were only a couple of picks short of getting Amari Cooper, so they settled for Kevin White. Didn't exactly work out. Then, of course, the notorious draft day deal for Ryan Pace is the Trubisky deal, right? Gave up two-thirds mm-hmm. and a fourth to move up one spot from three to two in 2017 to go get Trubisky in the same draft that had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. So that's the blemish that sits on Pace's record, but it just has not been a great tenure for him, especially for a guy that came up from scouting, they haven't had the, those first round picks, obviously, because of the Kalua Mack trade, and we said that that was a good decision. So you don't want to look, you don't want to overlook what they got in return for that. But, geez, man, it just feels like he has not hit on a lot of draft picks the way that he has needed to for a guy who's been around since 2015. Yeah, that that's the thing is like you know you you style the Khalil Mack trade as a win for the Bears. I'm yeah, I'm not. I I, I think. Khalil's it's, a really good player. It's got to be a win, man. They they had a number one defense in 2018 with Khalil Mack there. It has to be a win. You got to right, but Khalil Mack is still there, and they're not having a number one defense anymore. I mean, they're still having a top defense. Well, but. I w- I would tell you that that's because they should have made more out of the other picks and the other assets they had outside of that. I think that I think the Mack move was collect objectively a good move. They just haven't made a pace hasn't made a lot of good moves around that. And I think that's why you see Khalil Mack here and the Chicago Bears not doing so well. That is it is an interesting conversation, right? Because they trade multiple firsts for Khalil, which in terms of defensive players, we've seen multiple firsts traded for. Mack, Ramsey, Jamal Adams, right? That's it? In terms of recent memory. I think so. Uh yeah. Max definitely not the most impactful, Jalen Ramsey. He's probably also not the least impactful in Jamal Adams. So it's not like it was it was uh, like like I said, like I think it's a conversation. I also think right the fact that Pace hasn't been able to draft well kind of you know leads into the fact that you know if you can't draft well, might as well trade your picks and go get a, a, a known talent. Sure, but for this team to have not made a first round pick in the last two years is pretty debilitating. It prevented them from moving on from their quarterback. And now they're at a spot where Pace and Nagy's jobs hinge on solving the quarterback position in one year, which is obviously something that we're going to talk about at length as we move on. But I agree with you. I mean, he has not made it. So there, there's no 
he hasn't made good picks. There's no, they don't, this is bad. It's not, so it, so, okay. Think about a good draft. Mm-hmm. Now think about the opposite. <laughs> it's That's not, what my page is doing. It's not quite that bad, but it's it's okay. Closer than it's it's closer than they, they would like. I mean, okay. So let's look at their draft picks since 2015. I have right. I have so, the Bears draft history up here. Mm-hmm. 2015. I mean, Eddie Goldman was a good pick in the second round. Right. So they got Eddie Goldman and, and Adrian Amos. Yeah. Amos then got out of Chicago, and this is the other critical thing that I think is interesting. Right. Uh. Okay, and then they 2016, Leonard Floyd at the top, Nick Witowski in the fourth round, Jordan Howard in the fifth round. Those are some pretty good picks. They never got Leonard Floyd to be as productive in one year with the Rams as he was with the Bears. He got out of the building. Kwiatkowski's out of the building. Jordan Howard got out of the building. And the Jordan Howard trade made sense given how how productive he was early, and that probably wasn't going to hold over, but whatever. 2017, again, a good late-round pick in Eddie Jackson. Fourth-round pick in Tariq Cohen. That had the Mitch Trubisky trade. 2017 is probably the one you circle and you say this is the best pace draft that we've got. And of course, there was a top 50 picks bent on Adam Shaheen. But that doesn't matter. It's it's, uh, it's hard to even it's hard to even say that, of course, because uh, Trubisky and then Shaheen. But right. So 2018 is Roquan Smith, James Daniels, Anthony Miller, uh, Bilal Nichols again, another like day three hit. Uh, so Bilal is important for them, but Miller's been poor. Daniels like is barely a starter. And then Javon, had a really good year. Javon Wims in the seventh round. I like this draft. I kind of like this draft. Wim- Javon Wims has 28 career catches in three years. Yeah, but like I kind of like Two years. Him. Yeah, but he, three years. Three years. Yeah, but he smacked the crap out of Chauncey Garner-Johnson. Straight with the helmet. 2019. We have to respect David it. Montgomery. I don't know if you... I don't know I, if you not sure I do. Yeah, no, He dropped sure. the touchdown against the Saints. Uh... David Montgomery, Riley Ridley, Duke Shelley. I think they got to go in and do Shelley. Uh, again, six-round pick, so hit on one of those guys. Demo, round three running back, was the second running back taken in that class, or the third, I can't remember. Uh, again, not dissimilar to James Daniels. Maybe the starter, maybe good. Not confidently so. Yeah. Uh, and then this past year, no first-round pick, Colcomet, Jalen Johnson, and then Travis Gibson, Kendall Wilder, Darnell Mooney, yet again, another day three hit, Darnell Mooney. Uh, but Komet, I'm not sure, is what you wanted in a top 50 pick. So I've got a guy who can find late-round fits for his team, which is nice. That's an important dude to have on your personnel staff. But the way that he has used early picks to bring in top talent, and then the way that he has been unable to retain top talent once it's in the building, all right, you're always going to have a good supporting cast. You're never going to have the cornerstone pieces. You're all you're gonna you're gonna manage the pawns well, but you're never gonna attack with the queen. Like it's you're just not gonna use your heavy hitters the way you need to. So like okay, he hasn't made a first round pick since Roquan Smith in 2018. I'm not sure those picks would have gone over well. <laughs> I'm not sure that it would have been successful. So I think that right when you talk about pace, the Trubisky trade is extremely concerning. The Trubisky faith over time is extremely concerning. The Khalil Mack trade is something that's a conversation. Whatever. What foundationally is the problem is that he can't get good players in the building with early picks. And when he does get good players in the building, he can't retain them. Allen Robinson's trying to leave. You know what I mean? Right. When, when good players don't want to play in your, in your organization, that starts with general manager, in my opinion. I so think that's, that, that's an issue. I think that it does, too. And I think that there's, there's more that we got to link to that problem. You know, when you bring up Allen Robinson wanting to potentially get out of Chicago. I think that there's more that goes into that, and I think the head coach is a big deal. But before we link the two, head coach and general manager, 
Got to remind the good people out there that rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for over 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com and shop for any auto part for whatever you are driving. Whether it is a fix or an upgrade, rockauto.com has got you. It's easy to look at exactly what they have in stock, and if you don't see exactly what you're looking for, you can contact them. They're great with customer service as well. Go over to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts they have available for your car or truck, and write locked on NFL draft in their little how did you hear about us section so they know that we send you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the car parts you are ever going to need over at rockauto.com. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. Don't miss this week's episode featuring Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayella of Locked On Women's Basketball discussing their opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. There's a new episode coming next week, so go ahead and subscribe to Locked On Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast we teased it before the break the head coach means a lot to how well or not well the Chicago Bears have done over the last couple of years than Ryan Pace does the general manager Matt Nagy Matt Nagy's the head coach in Chicago he's going into his fourth season finished 12 and 4 in his first year there in 2018 then he's finished 8 and 8 in each of the last two years Although, if we're being honest, this team really should not have been 8-8 eight eight last year. They started off the season 3-0 and and then 5-1, and one, which is pretty crazy. But then rattled off a lot of losses in a row. Fell down to 5-7 and seven at one point. Then had three big lo- wins at the end of the season to keep things interesting. Finally finishing with a loss and uh, at Green Bay. No, versus Green Bay. It wasn't at Green Bay. I forgot it was in Chicago. And that gave them the 8-8 eight and eight record. Nagy comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. He was a quality control coach and an assistant under Reid from 2008, I believe, until 2012 in Philadelphia. And then when Reid went over to Kansas City, he brought Nagy over to be his quarterback's coach and eventually his offensive coordinator. The reason why Nagy was sought after and hired in Chicago is because of his his outside-the-box thinking or the narrative around him that he was just this innovative offensive mind that had worked under Reed. He was supposed to be that next creative guy. The way that we talk about Eric Bieniemy now as the guy who knows all of Reed's secrets, who's orchestrating the things with the Kansas City Chiefs, that's how I feel like Nagy was talked about before he was hired with Chicago. There was so much praise for what he was doing under Reed that people thought that he was for sure the next great head coach. Nagy's had the flash in his offense at times, but it just feels like the baseline work of what you need to do to get to that isn't there. It, it, it's like he has those trick plays, those those X factor plays. He's got those. He he can he can hit you with those, but he can't hit you with the in between. You know, like if he gets a first down on a flash play or something like that, it's like okay, great first down. Now what? And it, it just feels like the game plan is foreign to him. You know, he's he's there and he's an offensive head coach, and yet for the last three seasons, Chicago has been 20th, 25th, and then 25th again in offensive DVOA. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, the defense was number one in 2018, and they've been top 10 in each of the last two years. The offense just is not right. holding up their side of the bargain, which is is bad for an offensive head coach. Running the ball is the big area where it just seems like they can't get things figured out. They were 21st in DVOA in 2018, 28 in 2019, 25th 
in 2020. It's just not getting better. Oh, and by the way, remember that good year that they had in 2015, that 12-4 and year, that defense was number one in the NFL year. Yeah, Vic Fangio was his defensive coordinator. So that's a big reason why they had so much success on defense. It just... Nagy seems to be a guy that they have faith in because of what he was touted as this creative offensive mind. And it just seems like he cannot get comfortable with what you have to do on a play-by-play or a series-by-series basis to get to a lot of that creativity. And I really do think that... That's why we've seen a lot of these struggles in Chicago. The third year of the Nagy tenure, second playoff berth, they've lost both both of their first playoff games. And I agree, like it, it was 12 and 4, 8 and 8 and 8 and 8. It really is quite something how well this bad team has performed. <laughs> it, 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 on, on paper, with a lot of the typical measurements we use for head coach team success. They've been fine, right? And there are things that I, when I watch Nagy offensive film, there are things where I'm like, yes, this would work. Just get a functional passer behind center. Probably improve the offensive line a little bit. You could get this done. You could, you could be all right. This could be okay. Those moments are too few and far between. I think that they that they're there. I think that you could get them. So I understand the temptation of Nagy. Like I 100% get the allure, the the, the consistent belief, mm-hmm. even after three years in which he hasn't won a playoff game. With that said, once Nagy gives away play calling to Bill Lazor this season, it's kind of like okay, you know what I mean? It's known now that. Once the head coach gives away play calling, it's really the end of the rope. That's the that's the yes. move of last resort, right? Yes. yes. Uh, I can't remember the the word for it, but it's a move of last resort. They got better when Laser was calling plays, in large part because every time what you Laser say Laser, was, I just I just need to say like I I think of the the scene from Dodgeball where White Goodman's just like Blaze, Laser, Blazer. I don't know if you've seen dodgeball, but that's just uh, he's he's listing off the guys who play for his dodgeball team, and like they're all the same name. And so every time you say laser, that's that's immediately what I'm going to think of. I can't. I'll be honest with you. I think I've seen dodgeball. I don't remember dodgeball. Dodge, uh, dodgeball is a very I, underrated good movie. We can talk about that Will more. Ferrell, we right? we no, that's not Will Ferrell. It's Vince Vaughn. It's Ben Stiller. It feels like it should be a Will Ferrell movie, but it's actually not a Will Ferrell movie. We could talk about this more on Fan Friday. <laughs> Somebody can ask us a question about Dodgeball the movie on Fan Friday, but I just also had to I, I had to blurt that out because you said laser twice mm-hmm. and I immediately just thought of that. So continue. So Chicago scores 36 points against Houston, 33 points against Minnesota, 41 points against Jacksonville, three of their last four games of the season. Those were games that took them from five and seven to eight and seven. It's what put them in the wild card spot that win against minnesota was critical for determining that wild card spot in the nfc they were putting points up on the board they were running the ball a lot more successfully david montgomery had three games running the ball over 100 with over 100 uh, yards uh, over 100 rushing yards on, on his carries outside outside zone approach from bill laser outside zone approach from a, a a different play caller trying to get his guys in different spots and then it sputtered out Right, they lost it to Green Bay, uh, thirty-five to sixteen, and then obviously they lost to the Saints, only scoring nine points on offense. 
because the personnel is bad, you can only shoot this thing in the arm so much, right? And I, I do believe that Nagy has, to his defense, tried to shoot this thing in the arm multiple times, whether it be with Trubisky, you know, uh, over the past couple of years, whether it's been with putting Foles in for Trubisky, Foles has typically been this, like, gamer off the bench, giving up play calling to Bill Lazor. Like, I, I, I am very hesitant to, like, be like, I defend Matt Nagy. But there are things that he's done that are defensible. And I think that he's been handcuffed by personnel. When I look at the state of the Bears, which is a team that has not had a losing record under Pace and Nagy, and I wonder why we don't take them seriously, it's because I think that anybody fears their personnel. And I think that it starts with Pace. And then obviously Nagy, for his inability to develop said personnel for whatever it was when it was drafted, however it was acquired, also, you know, is to his fault. So to me, it starts with pace and then it trickles down to Nagy. With that said, there's enough data now on, you know, third and one pitches to Cordero Patterson that at this point you you, you run out of, of reasons. You run out of a, a leg to stand on, as it were, when it comes to a hard Nagy defense. I would love to see Nagy coordinate an offense somewhere else with good personnel. So I really do think he could get he gets good concepts out on the field and he's been handcuffed by Trubisky. This offense, this passing game especially, has gotten so simple and it's, it, 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 it to me is a direct reflection on the personnel he's got available. So I'd like to see that. I, I do believe it would go well. But at this point, the fact that the Bears didn't fire him is confusing because you should view this ship as sailed. I'm not sure what he can do with this current offense, with these current wide receivers, with this offensive line that he hasn't tried already. Yeah. The only possible saving grace is getting a legit dude to quarterback. And that's obviously what Pace and Nagy are trying to do this offseason. Whether or not they're able to acquire that guy, and how much they have to pay for him to go get him is the question. Yeah. I I, 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 I was thinking about that as well the more research I was doing. It just it seems like this Bears team has been the same over the last couple of years. And I, I don't know who's at fault here because I don't know who has more... Maybe not saying power, maybe veto power is the word to, to, to use because I, I don't know if Nagy is saying, hey, I need this player, I need these guys, we need to switch it up, and Pace is saying no, or if they're just collectively just like not wanting to switch up what they're doing. And I, I think that they've had little things different here and there, but I agree with you. It, it's been relatively the same roster. They're expecting you to do things different. It feels like they've changed coaches mm-hmm. more than they've changed important personnel, and you know, Nagy was running more inside zone stuff or outside zone stuff this year. And so, like, he tried to switch up his running strategy. So, it, it's not like he hasn't tried. It's just not working. He just doesn't look comfortable with it. And I, I this is the million-dollar question. Is it him or is it his guys? Of course, it's easy to coach the most talented team in the world. But, you know, the NFL is set up to be competitive they have the salary cap they have the draft set up the way that it is you you normally can't just get this all-star cast together and it's up to you as a head coach to find out how to make the most out of your strengths and uh, make the most out of your deficiencies as well that's what makes a good head coach and I just have not seen Matt Nagy do that with the Chicago Bears outside of Vic Fangio having control of the defense for one year in 2018 outside of that I just don't see them either utilizing these guys the way that they need to or getting the right guys in the building so I just I, I don't know uh, right. who's I don't know who's mainly at fault here. 
I would I would specify and say that that's on the offensive side of the football. I think on the defensive side of the football for Chuck Pagano to step into Vic Fangio's shoes as he's had to over the last two years and be successful is nuts. Uh, I thought Pagano was a good DC to to have to fill Fangio's shoes and then to be as successful as he's been while also losing talent, Adrian Amos, Bryce Callahan, uh, even Leonard Floyd, is to his credit. Uh, I think that they've done an excellent job with the defensive personnel, continuing to cycle in young players, get, get starting corners in the second round of Jalen Johnson, Duke Shelley in the sixth round, I, I think is a, a quality nickel that they've got working there. Roquan Smith, massive step forward from 2019 into 2020. Credit to Pagano uh, and working with him in a new system. Chuck Pagano is retired. So, like, yeah, that was the bright, the bright spot. That was it, like, for the Bears. It was like, this sure. defense is going to continue to be good. It's yeah. going to continue to keep them in games. It's going to continue to give them a margin, right? They're winning games. When they went 5-1 and one to start the season, they're winning games. They're scoring points, 20 points, 23 points. They beat the Bucks 2019. You know what I mean? That's all that defense doing that work. Do not remind me. Pagano. That they beat the hey, Bucks hey, 2019. Hey, you get over a week five loss to Chicago. <laughs> You're right. You're so right, it is to it. say that the one bright spot on the coaching staff, so a lot of these issues we've talked about have been very offensive focus, offensive uh, personnel, offensive coaches. The one bright spot on defense was the transition from Fangio to Pagano, and that is now they don't have Pagano anymore. We're going to talk about some of those roster deficiencies and what the Be- the Bears might be able to do about it in the second half of this podcast before we get there. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, NHL, they're all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. You receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sports experts promo code when you sign up to get that 50 percent bonus locked on all caps one word locked on thursdays on locked on nfl are a must listen ryan tracy and jake lisco's breakdown of teams across the nfl from an analytics and team building perspective get the expert analysis on your favorite teams from ryan and jake every single thursday subscribe to locked on nfl wherever you get your podcast let's break down this bears roster shall we Biggest team needs. I'll do the same thing that I did on Tuesday's episode. I'll give you my three biggest needs for them, and you can either object or subject. Is that right? Does that work? Does that work? Nope. No? Nope. Subject does not mean agree. Uh, but nice try. I liked it. You know what? If I say it confidently enough, somebody will believe it. Somebody out there listening to the podcast is like, oh, yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, I'm gonna, no, I'm for gonna, sure. That's how that goes. I'm yeah, going yeah, yeah. I'm I'm ju- I'm I'm to subject myself to this opinion. Oh, I guess that works a little bit. See, it works. It works. Bravo. Three top needs. Quarterback. Trubisky's a free agent. Foles is still under contract. Carson Wentz. The next one, offensive tackle. This is wild while doing this research. And I I think I've heard this before, but it's just worth freaking out over again. The Bears have not selected an offensive tackle above the fifth round since 2011. Imagine... Building anywhere you, else. Like, what? I'm I I'm going to I'm going to triple check this stat live on the podcast because I just can't believe it. Gabe Kareem. Don't worry though. They, they signed Fetty. It's fine. Gabe Kareem was picked number twenty nine overall in the first round in two thousand eleven, and since then, 
Nope, not 2012. Nope, not 2013. Nope, not 2014. Nope, not 2015. I cannot believe this. How in the name of God is this possible? We preach it all the time, Ben. It's the it's like the cornerstone of building a team. The three most important positions in the game are what? Passer, pass protector, pass rusher. And you ain't drafted a tackle in 10 years? Above the, the fifth round? It's not even it's not even that they haven't drafted an offensive tackle in the first round or the top 50. Or the first two rounds, for goodness sake. It's since the fifth round. Once what? again, they have Charles Leno and Bobby Massey. I don't understand the problem. Sign Jermaine Effetti. Come on. What's the issue? The issue is those guys aren't good. And I'm about to tell <laughs> that you that they could, they, could, they could cut both of them and save about a million dollars, $11 million on the cap. Yeah. Jeez. The, so, the, right, the Bears cap situation is an interesting one we're, wait, we're supposed to be going over team needs okay uh the, 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 last, the last one i had is wide receiver because alan robbins is a free agent anthony miller could be a free agent next season darnell mooney is good who you got locked down good job cordero patterson's a free agent javon wims who like you said just hasn't had a lot of action but he's a free agent next year so you're looking at this roster and if you lose alan robinson the pickings are slim so those are the three yeah, so- big needs i said on offense yeah currently under contract for the bears at wide receiver beyond 2021 are Darnell Mooney and Riley Ridley, which shout out Riley Ridley, draft Twitter alone. Oh, yeah, 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 uh, Riley Ridley, I forgot. Big ups, Riley Rid. Uh, right, so there's there's very little uh, uh, long-term look. Mooney looked exciting in his first year. That's great. You probably don't want him being a wide receiver one. <laughs> You'd probably like for him to just be a, a part of your depth chart, a part of your starting three. So you certainly, wide receiver is terrifying because it's very easy to imagine it getting under- addressed this year because like all right we got another year of anthony miller another year of javon Wims, and we're gonna get the young guys in there and they're gonna figure it out and that's not gonna happen right anthony miller's not gonna suddenly get better javon Wims not gonna suddenly become like a really good high volume target whichever quarterback they have in place is going to struggle in part because they have bad wide receivers and then they're going to be facing down 2022 with a massive needed wide receiver which is not dissimilar to how they mismanaged quarterback, right? Which is they're like, our, our young guys will get better. Our young guys will get better. Our young guys will get better. Holy smokes, we have no capital and we need a starting quarterback so badly. You, know, you can't let these things sneak up on you. And that's what I think is happening at wide receiver. So I, wide receiver, offensive tackle and quarterback are also my three. I think wide receiver is a bigger need than tackle. I'm glad we both didn't have interior offensive line up because I do think that with what you saw from Sam Muster for this year, what you've seen from Cody Whitehair, who obviously gave the extension to, you should feel... Good with those two as starters. James Daniels played better football this year. So I think that you you obviously want to see that for another season. You have him under contract for one more year. I would want that gut check season. I wouldn't want to extend him before then. I'd want to see it another season. But I think that James Daniels could be a guy that you extend and you have uh, Alex Bars, you have Rashad Coward, bring one of them back and they're your backup interior guy and they could be fine on the interior. It's not sexy, but it's fine. Tackle is the spot where if you're going to improve on the offensive lines, you're going to do it. And yes, I mean, like, can you walk into next season with Charles Leno and Bobby Massey starting and pretend like that makes sense? Sure. You've done it before. I won't be insulted if you do it again. I'll know that you're nuts, but I knew that last year when you did it. It's fine. Bobby Massey. 
uh-huh. due 9.3 million, dead yeah. cap hit of 2.6 million. So you're looking at saving $6.7 million on the cap with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Leno due 11.3 million with five dead on the cap. You can save 6.3 moving on from him. You're saving around 12, 13 million dollars of cap space if you cut them both. You can't cut them both. Uh, I, I don't think you have the depth to withstand that. From a nah, do it. age and cost perspective, I really like you can keep whichever one you want. I don't think play wise, I don't think money wise, you've got one that stands out. I don't know. Like may, there's a, there's a chance that in the building it's clear who they like better between Massey and Leno. But for me, just one, I wouldn't want to cut both. The reason you have to talk about it is because the Bears right now are expected to be under the top 51 cap ceiling for 2021, which has been adjusted to reflect $180 million as the cap floor, which is what Schefter is reporting. They're expected to be under it. This is before an Allen Robinson extension, which there's a chance that they try to franchise tag him if he won't sign an extension, which is a humongous one-year cap hit. So you need to swallow that. That's what, before a Cordero Patterson extension. Go ahead. What, what number did you have for them being projected their cap? On right now, looking at spot rack, I have right. them estimated with uh, five hundred thousand over the cap. Yes, right. Okay, we have the same number. Okay, okay. Because I, okay, I, yeah, I, yeah. I had in my notes that they were basically dead even at the projected cap. Right, and but the thing is, like, that's dead even before a Robinson deal, which they want to do. Right, a Cordero oh, no, Patterson of deal. Yeah, which they want to do. Uh, Roy Roberts and Harris, I would imagine they want to do. Maybe let them walk and, and stick with Bilal Nichols, but that defensive tackle rotation is so important to that team that I would personally want to do it. So it's before you sign all of those potential extensions. And so you, you're you dead even right now, but that's without guys you want to bring back. So unless everybody ends up walking, you're going to have to get creative somewhere. Uh, so we'll see. I'm... I'm I'm I don't believe that they sign Allen Robinson back. I don't think that Robinson takes a deal with them. I think Robinson wants to get out. And well, Robinson they can get, try to Rob, franchise tag him, but Robinson's gonna make what? Like 18, 19 mil a year? Right. And where, where are they I'm, getting they that, money that money? And they and also like they they put a competitive offer, Robin like okay, if you get a competitive offer, you're Allen Robinson from them and from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Go play in Tennessee, go play with Martino. The same that that team's won a playoff game recently right right tan hill's not even that great of a quarterback it, it they just lost their offensive coordinator it's still better than where you've been robinson i think you can say confidently who has signed just it, just the one extension he's signed just one extension but he signed one big money extension with the bears i believe i don't want to speak for him he can do whatever he wants but i would imagine that he his objectives moving forward are playing on a competing team he's made money and he's going to make money wherever he goes, but he's not gotten to play with a good quarterback. I mean, like he's probably got career numbers he wants to put up. He's got records he wants to attack. You know what I mean? Like these are things he has not been available to him playing with Blake Bortles and playing with Mitchell Trubisky over the course of his career. So the Robinson extension, I think is just going to be really, really tough. I would focus on bringing back Cordero, who you use in creative ways, use mm-hmm. him as a running back, as a kick return or whatever. Roy Robertson Harris to me is an important guy to bring back. I would bring back Rashad Coward uh, as my deep offensive lineman, right? My O line six, uh, my my backup on the interior. Probably bring back uh, uh, Houston Carson, DeAndre Houston Carson, mm-hmm. one of my depth safeties. Right now, they only have two safeties, uh, or, or they only have one safety under contract besides Eddie Jackson. Uh, and they don't really have a box safety. Deion Bush and DeAndre Houston Carson played those roles for them. 
I don't know how much money Bush is going to uh, take on the market. I don't know how much money Deshaun Gibson is going to take on the market. I think Houston Carson's probably your best bet for a cheap deal. So those are deals that I would prioritize instead of like chasing a huge Allen Robinson extension, trying so hard right. to convince him to stay when you don't even know if your offense is going to be good. The other spots, All of these points are moot if you don't get a quarterback. Well, the, and, and a couple of other moves they can make. Did you mention the Jimmy Graham one? Like if you cut Jimmy Graham, you can get an extra $7 million, which I think is smart for them to do anyways. Uh, because Jimmy Graham's going to be 34 years old. I also think that they can get a little bit more money if they re-sign slash restructure Akeem Hicks to an extension. He's only got about a million, two million dollars left on it, guaranteed on his deal. He has another year on it. He's got 12 million that's coming to him in base salary. So you can sign him to an extension because you don't want to lose Akeem Hicks. But if you sign him to an extension, you can move some of the money around. You give him more guaranteed, and I think that'll give you a little bit more wiggle room as well. So. You know, you could go after Allen Robinson, but it's an interesting spot because we're sitting here talking about we don't exactly believe in Ryan Pace. It's hard to at this point. We don't exactly believe in Matt Nagy because he's already giving up the reason why he was brought in here with play calling and you know, hoping the extra time allows him to focus on game planning and everything could come together. But you've got relatively the same team. It's not like you're going to switch things up much. And if you are, you're getting guys who are brand new to the organization. So it's tough. You know, when we start this... This, this episode is called Fix Your Team. We're trying to fix the Chicago Bears, but we've also got to talk about realistic plans that we see in place. And, and the other one that we have not talked about yet, which now we need to get into, not too in-depthly because we do have to get to the mock draft in a bit, but it's the Carson Wentz deal. Because we're hearing right now that mm-hmm. the Chicago Bears, as Ben said, none of this matters until you get a different quarterback. They're rumored to be going after Carson Wentz. Going after Carson Wentz pretty hard. We're hearing that they could be offering a first round pick and in exchange for a couple of other other details on both sides. Uh, probably involves Chicago giving some sort of a day two pick, and you know maybe Philadelphia also giving a, a late day two or an early day three pick back. With that, that's just the reports that we've heard recently. But Carson Wentz, you know more about the Carson Wentz contract situation. I believe than I I could. I did I've a lot. never heard of this player. I could do. I I have plenty of research on it, and I'm I'm willing to see if our numbers are exactly the same. But the contract talk around Wentz has been the whole wow. It's crazy because he's bad, and you're paying him a lot of money. So why would a team want to trade for him? Well, the numbers don't exactly line up for Philly with him staying in Philadelphia the way that it would for Chicago. So if Chicago trades for Carson Wentz. We already know that they would probably have to stretch to make enough money for, say, an Allen Robinson deal. But what would it take to get Carson Wentz on the team? Yeah, so with Wentz's contract, uh, he's going to be roughly a $34, $33 million hit to the Eagles cap, whether he stays or whether he goes. When he goes to Chicago, hypothetically, the Eagles— I was going to say, you just said when. Yeah. But okay. Hypothetically, the Eagles— uh, swallow. They 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 take on all of his signing bonuses, roster bonus, option bonus, which is prorated across the next few seasons of his deal, leaving uh, Chicago with mostly his base salary and then a, a, a ten million dollar roster bonus, which will activate on March nineteenth, third day of the league new year. So Chicago would be on the hook for twenty five point four million dollars if they acquire Carson Wentz within the next month or so. Yep. Uh, that's on his first year. His second year uh, would be $22 million. Okay. So you're going to have $47.4 million over two years. And then after that, it's all non-guaranteed money. $20 million and 21.1, I think it is, uh, in 2022 
2023 and in 2024. So basically two year, $47 million deal with two more uh, years at the end of that as well at 20 million and 21, but he'll never see those. If he's bad, he's going to get cut. And if he's good, he's going to get extended. Uh, so two years, 47 million, you'd have to find $25 million of cap space. Right. And that's where some of the things we're hearing around this Wentz bears deal become interesting. The Eagles have a young, inexpensive first round pick tackle, Andre Dillard, who has not been able to see the field for them because he was injured last year. Jordan Mailata took that job and he played pretty well. You put Andre Dillard in the Wentz deal, and all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier to cut Charles Leno and put Andre Dillard in at left tackle. So you start to find money there. The Eagles have Zach Ertz, who isn't under contract for 2021. He's currently on the Eagles roster. There's been rumors that he's going to be involved in the in the Bears trade for Wentz. It's also been rumored he's involved in the Colts trade package. You sign him to a, a cheap deal as the Eagles, and then immediately trade him to Chicago, Chicago. so the Chicago takes on the deal. Mm -hmm. Then you get to cut Jimmy Graham, and you get to save that $7 million in cap space. So even folded into the Wentz trade, oh, and we should mention this extremely obvious one that I'm looking over for some reason, if you send Nick Foles to Philadelphia in the Carson Wentz trade, which is just, like, imagine telling somebody in 2017 <laughs> the Eagles would trade Carson Wentz for Nick Foles, Chicago Bears at some point, and that would just be a thing that happens. <laughs> But Nick about Foles, as, who's due, it's about as crazy as thinking that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski were going to win a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in right. 2020. So, right. So you've got you can fear up four million dollars in cap space uh, by trading Nick Foles, right? So in the Wentz trade, you should expect players to move, whether it's from Philadelphia to Chicago, so that Chicago can then make some cap cuts to create space, or whether it's from Chicago to Philadelphia just to create cap space outright because both teams have to do some creative accounting this year. Uh, it's worth remembering that you don't have to be cap solvent until league year kicks off, which is March 17th. So they can make this Wentz trade and then, you know, continue to figure it out down the road. It's not like this is an inhibitor right now to the trade. The trade also won't happen until actually like the new league year anyway. You know what I mean? Like technically. Sure. So all, all of this is fluid, um, but there'll be other players that move. It's possible. The question now is, for who you are as a team, what you are as a coaching staff, yeah, who you have on offense, right? Do you want to pay Carson Wentz twenty five million dollars next year? Do you want to trade assets to pay Carson Wentz twenty five million dollars next year? How many assets? How valuable of assets do you want to trade to pay Carson Wentz twenty five million dollars next year? And are you even going to win games and make it to the playoffs if you do all this? Well, I think to which, go ahead, go ahead. Right, to which my answers are, God, no, dear, no, heavens to Betsy, no, please, God, kill me, no, and also probably not. So, like, that's where that's where this gets nuts, Right, is it's like, okay, yeah, all of this is possible, is all of this reasonable, and you and I sit here as relatively level-headed podcasters who understand a, a minute iota of football in the world and the NFL, and we say this is kind of nuts. Calling and us level-headed is probably, you know, high praise at this point. Yeah, Absolutely. Ryan Pace, who just basically is GMing for his job. He's out here making acquisitions, moving guys around, making trades, trying to feel the most single competitive team possible in 2021. Screw the future so that right. he can just hold on to his job for another right. year. Right. Cashing him, checks is good. Like, Cashing checks right. is good. The net, what, what is the first job of the general manager? To keep his job. Don't get fired. Yes. Right. Is that like, stay up there, baby. You only get to do this once or twice. You got to make your money when you can. So, oh, I just smacked my mic in the face. I know. So, I can hear the energy through the uh, <laughs> through the microphone. 
So for us, this is unreasonable. For Pace, this is I'm in the middle of the ocean. What's the best look like that's around? Is it Derek Carr? Is it Marcus Mariota? Is it Carson Wentz? And cost ends up not really being so much of a factor as long as you can defray that cost into the next couple of seasons. Because if this doesn't work, you're not going to be here to deal with the, the ramifications. That's somebody else's mess to clean up. It's not yours. You're fired. So that's why you hear about the Bears trying to make it a future first and not pick 20. Yeah. Because Ryan Pace doesn't even plan on necessarily seeing that if this doesn't work anyway. Right. No, I that's, that's what I've heard as well, is it might be a future first-round pick. And so, yeah, from, from our chairs, it seems a little crazy. Chicago's got to do something. They're one of those teams that we talked about over the last couple of months. They have a quarterback need, and there's just not a lot of quarterbacks to go get, especially with them sitting all the way at number 20 in the draft. But they got to do something. And so we sit here on both sides, and we go, well, Chicago needs a quarterback. And we go, well, Chicago doesn't have any option for quarterback. Something's got to give. Something has to give, especially for a head coach and a GM that know they're going to be canned next year if it doesn't go well. Let's do a three-round mock draft here for the Chicago Bears to end this podcast. They're picking number 20. Oh, shoot. i got to share my screen real quick. That's the thing I have to do. I don't want to see it. I'm doing it from memory. Okay. <laughs> Entering my mock draft somebody, headspace. Somebody, somebody tweeted at us and said uh, it, it was that like math gif of like you know just trying to keep up with everything. And he's like me trying to keep up with all the trades in the midweek mock. And I said to him that we, we should actually start doing a lot more of those midweek mocks on video. So we can keep track of it a little bit more and everybody who's watched can keep track of it. But uh, that might be coming down the road. We might be doing that a little bit more for you guys. Chicago's picking at 20. Do we have them moving up? Do we have them make a Wentz deal? We had to make a Wentz deal in the midweek mock draft. So I say we don't because we already gave Chicago a look at what it would be like with them trading for Carson Wentz. But the only thing that I would rather do here in this mock draft if we want to is, is figure out how they trade up. But in order for them to go get a quarterback that they would really want, they would have to get up to what? Three with Miami? At that point, what are you giving? Because yeah. you, you, you've got to outbid maybe Philly, maybe Carolina, maybe Detroit, maybe San Francisco, maybe the New England Patriots, you know, like the, the, the Washington football team. You're bidding against a lot of teams to move from 20 to 3. I mean, we're talking about like three first-round picks, probably three second-round picks. Easy, right? Wow, the uh, the Sonny Weaver Jr. deal. You love to see it. Uh, my my, Here's my thing. You, if, I think if you're going to do it, you're going to make the trade on draft day, and you're going to hope that you get a guy falling to like 8. You know what I mean? Which even then, like I've had the... Bears trade up to eight before, and Panthers fans were like, no, we draft a quarterback. You kind of have to see where the chips fall. Making that move from 20 to three is just way too much. I agree, I agree. with you. Yeah. Um, I also, there is a reality in which they trade for Wentz slash Mariota, and they still retain 20, which is the one they're trying to get to right now. It's where they trade a future first. Okay, so, so we can look at... You want to do let's that? Let's look at this like... Yeah, like, let's look at this like they they trade away their second this year okay. and a future first Okay. for... Wentz. So they, they they lose out on that that second round pick this year, and they lose out on, on their twenty twenty one one. Do you but think they still have? Do you think they're getting any picks back from the Eagles? Not within the first three rounds. Okay. All right. So I'll just yeah. do, uh, I'll just do two sevenths. So we can do that. We get we we can we can fix the Chicago Bears in that way. We'll give them Carson Wentz, I guess, and then we we will keep number twenty. Yep. Which. For the record, sending a, a first 
and a second, regardless of the years, for Wentz is too much. But that's where Ryan Bates is right now in right. his life. Right. So you have the quarterback in hand, and yep. now your objective at 20 is compete. Compete this year. Okay. So you're going after pro-ready guys. Okay. This draft I cannot see the player list because you have my audio video settings up. Oh, no, wait. I have my audio video settings up. Never mind. <laughs> I redact my blame. I can't control your computer. Don't blame me. <laughs> I literally was looking at myself talk the whole time. I was like, why can Trevor see my video if it's his audio and video <laughs> setting? I'm a genius. Okay. So, so who do we got? on? The, we have Elijah Vera Tucker is still here on the board at number 20 mm-hmm. for the Chicago Bears. Who else do we have a tackle? Jalen Mayfield, Tevin Jenkins. I think these are all really good options for them. They allow them to move on from Leno or Massey, save some money that they desperately need if they're making a Wentz deal. I think it's mm-hmm. got to be offensive line because who's left the wide receiver? Terrace Marshall's still here. Sean Bateman. Um, yes, Rashad Bateman's still yeah, here. Bateman's still there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it has to be offensive line, because if we're thinking we're going offensive line and then wide receiver, we don't have a round two pick. Right. What Are you more Where are you more likely to get O-line. a tackle starter no. or a wide receiver starter no. in the third round? Wide receiver starter. Wide receiver, yeah, totally. Yeah. So to me, this is Tevin Jenkins? tackle. I. Or, I mean, Tevin Jenkins or Elijah Vera Tucker, who I think can play on the outside. Uh, you can do that. You can re-sign Jermaine Fed. You can have some flexibility if you want. I'm fine with either one. Dealer's choice. A, uh, ABT or Tevin Jenkins. I'll go... I'll go Vera Tucker. Let's do Vera Tucker at 20. So then nice. we're waiting a while here, because like you said, we traded the second-round pick, and this might be best-case scenario. We're, we're trying to help you as, as much as we possibly can, Bears fans, especially with a trade that kind of seems imminent here. If they don't, then, go- right? This is this is why, right? It's like because you get that top twenty pick and you get Carson Wentz, and you're, you're just right. trying to win this year, yes. right? Yeah. Like with Vera Tucker and with Tevin Jenkins, we had two very pro-ready tackles, multiple years of starting on Power Five offensive lines, as opposed to like Jalen Mayfield, who was like a one point five year starter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Liam Meikenberg and Alex Leatherwood would have also been on that board, I think, for like step in, plug and play. You're going to be quality right away. We're at eighty three now. 83 in the third round. Wide receivers who's left, who are left. We got Elijah Moore. We got Tylen Wallace. We got Amari Rogers. Demetrius Felton, Brown. Brown, Safe Surratt. Yeah, Great chill- group. Yeah, we're big chilling. Yeah. We are big chilling here. That's a good. That's a good group. I like this. All right. So Anthony, I, I don't, even, I don't even want to plan too much around. Like, all right, you have Anthony Miller. We have because I don't think he hangs around or whatever. Uh, Darnell Mooney is the only guy. Let's say we know we're going to have long term at the position, so mm-hmm. we don't need a player in that mold. Who do you okay. like on this board? Surratt or Seth Williams, honestly. Above Diami. Above Tylen. I, I feel like Tylen's a lot like Mooney. Am I crazy in that regard? I think that Mooney's got so much speed, whereas Tylen's much more sort of contested catch guy. Yeah, but it. Yeah, but you could argue they're Thailand, both on the vertical route, right? Like Thailand doesn't. You say a contested catch guy. It's not like Thailand's a six four contested catch guy. Like Thailand's a shifty, really smooth, good wide receiver kind of play. Like he's explosive in short areas. Thailand plays like a speed player. He's just not super fast. That's why he's getting drafted later. But he he brings you that extra juice because of how good he is in contested catch situations. So. I don't like I love Tylen Wallace. I don't know if I I think Tylen objectively makes the Bears better in what they're going to do this year as opposed to getting more of a big-bodied X kind of a receiver like Surratt or like Seth Williams. Damme's the same Damme's the same thing. Like if you want to stretch the field, if you want to get vertical, I like him. 
but I'm trying to think of what the Bears would need for this year. And you want to pick good guys over or over forcing exact need. I get it, but it's not like I think Sage Sherrod and Seth Williams are bad. I would probably lean Seth Williams here as my as my first choice for Chicago. What do you think? Mm. I struggle. I like Seth Williams. I struggle to take him over Diami in a similar role. And I'm not sure we're not just way big braining this and we should just take Elijah Moore for just being the best wide receiver on the board. Those are my two hangups. How did you end up higher on Diami Brown than me in this in this in this instance? Because I'm a, a, a big North Carolina guy. <laughs> go Mac, go Tar Heels. They're really fun this year. I see, like, like that's what I think. It's like I don't want to be like, oh, oh, Anthony Miller plays in the slot. They have Anthony Miller. Like, I, I think the best player on this board right now, at wide receiver is Elijah Moore. And in terms of pro readiness, like it, he's got a good slot route tree. It's not super diverse, but it's a good slot route tree. He's got very clear NFL caliber quicks and athletic abilities. Great with the ball in his hands. We're talking about quick passes, all the Matt Nagy stuff. I think I think Moore's a fit. And I think he's really talented. So Seth Williams or Elijah Moore. Two wildly different players. Uh I mean I I I'm not pick I wouldn't pick Elijah Moore. I would pick it between Brown and Williams. That would be my two. Okay. Those would let's, be my we, two. I'm, let's do Seth Williams. Let's do Seth Williams. They, okay. I mean, like, if you're losing a catch point guy in Allen Robinson, which Robinson's more than that, but if you're losing a guy who's so good, contested vertical nine balls, you can go way worse than getting Seth Williams in round three and saying, go do that exact same thing. Because he's done it against SEC competition for multiple right. seasons. And I, and I think also with an extremely inaccurate quarterback. Correct. Yes. Correct. I think Seth Williams' best days is a wide receiver ahead of him. So... We only had two picks in this three-round mock draft because we traded away the other one to get Carson Wentz on the team, and so we freed up a little bit of cap space. Probably didn't bring Allen Robinson back because they don't have the space for it. But Seth Williams is our pick in the third round. Elijah Vera Tucker was our pick in the first round. That's the best we could do, Chicago fans. Oh, man, that's the best we could do. I, I You just got to, at that point, hope and pray that Carson Wentz is the quarterback you need him to be. I like Seth Williams being there. Next to Darnell Mooney, especially with with uh, Anthony Miller still there for next season, I think that that's that's a that's a pretty good three wide receiver set. I like that. I really do. You hope that Cole Komet takes the next step, and you hope the offensive line's a little bit better with Elijah Vera Tucker. Defense is healthy. I still think they'll be good. They'll be top fifteen in the NFL. There you go. You're giving yourself the best chance. And it's weird to think that the Bears have not finished below five hundred, and yet, yet we're talking as gloom and doom as we are. But right, they're I, the best. Wor- they're the best bad team in the league they're the worst good team in the league yeah that's yeah either way you want i think both of those are true yeah we got one episode left this week it is fan friday you guys can find the q a tweet over at tampa bay trey at benjamin solek as well you can find it there that's where you can get all your questions and to get in on the show tomorrow you could also dm me on instagram if you're more on instagram than twitter at mt underscore trevorist uh also of course if you're in the tdn premium slack as well Fire them away. It's going to be a lot of fun. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.